So we start with a wound. Pressure ulcer, wounds, and wound management. That would be our today's topic. And uh, we'll look at some different things in wounds. So um, wounds are res a result of injury to the skin. One there is a skin breakdown, there's a skin integrity problem, it results to wound. Um, although there are many different methods and degrees of wound, the basic phases of healing are essentially the same of almost all the wounds. So what is important here is we want to make sure that uh, what we do as nurses will not put our patient at risk for wound. Um, what is important also is when we talk about pressure ulcer, they used to be called the cubital ulcer or bed sore or any ulcer that, that derived from uh, the skin tissue being pressurized from another underlying tissue or another online object or anything that this patient is lying on is creating pressure that will prevent the flow of blood and O2 to that particular side of the body. Um, it puts the patient at risk for wound or the cubital ulcer. Now, we have stages of wounds. So there are three wound stages, three stages of wounds. So when wounds occur, there are three stages. Stage one of wound, wound healing, I'm sorry, a wound healing has different, it has three stages. The first stage is the inflammatory stage. The inflammatory stage is the first stage of wound healing. Now, in the inflammatory stage, it begins with the injury and lasts three to six days. What is important about, about these stages for the anchor is we want to understand how the wound healing takes place. The process of variation that occurs when it comes to wound healing. How many days each wound healing stage lasts for. Now, so the first one lasts from three to six days. That's the first stage of the first stage of wound healing. Now, this stage begins with the, the injury. Once the injury occurs, on the scene of the injury occurring, that begins the process of wound healing. No matter when we have wounds, when there's a break in the skin integrity, what happens to our next? There will be bleeding. Now, the bleeding will occur at a certain point in time. It might stop. If it is not a very big wound, it's going to stop. Or if the client does not have any other complication or, or any other online cause or causes that might post the client at risk for bleeding disorder, it's going to stop because the body has its own mechanism to stop bleeding. So as the body prepares to stop bleeding, that is the initiation, that is the inception of wound healing, which starts with uh, the injury. Now, there are effects to the wound. One, controlling bleeding with vessel constriction and retraction of blood vessels, and with clot formation. That's how wound healings occur in the first stage. When there is a wound, the body releases or other chemicals in the body 
the body goes through other mechanism to constrict the vessels to make the vessels to be to be small so to be smaller that is the blood vessel it gets narrower now as this vessel get narrower it, it slows the speed and the volume of blood being exposed or being released because as the uh, when the blood vessel gets narrower the bleeding will start to subside gradually that's one thing that happened another thing is there is clot formation in our blood we have blood clots so when there's bleeding clot formation is one of the means we use to what to, to curtail bleeding then there is also delivery of oxygen where blood cells and nutrients to the area through the blood supply so at this point there is uh there, there is a scheme in targeted issue there will be blood supply problem where the where the, where the injury has occurred remember those areas where like a, a bridge that allow o2 nutrients and other important things in our blood to be transmitted to other parts of the body but once there is an integrated issue the skin has a breakdown the 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 regular flow of blood and blood components become impaired so when that occurs, the client is at risk for so many other problems now homeostasis occurs along the fab with fiber information microfigures will engulf and there will be cellular debris which will lead to phagocytosis now all these things are going to occur when there is a breakdown in our skin integrity all these things are going to occur so that is the first stage of wound healing so the first stage is the inflammatory phase which lasts for three to six days then we have the second stage the second stage becomes the proliferative the proliferative stage now in this stage it is a stage that lasts between 3 to 24 days depending on the size of the wound it begins from day 3 to day 24 so that's the second stage of wound healing this stage is referred to as the proliferative stage now in this stage we are replacing lost tissue it is the stage in which lost tissues are being replaced when Ever there is a wound, there is a break in skin integrity, there will be a loss of tissue. There will be tissue traumatization. Um, so in this case, we go through this, uh, this particular second phase to replace lost tissues at the wound area. In this, this way, we're going to have those collagen tissues, those uh, granulated tissues coming in to replace the lost tissues then what happened next under here the wound will get contracted the wound will sort of come together during the stage after the first stage the second stage requires a lot of things and when this stage occurs there is tissue formation there is contraction of the wound edges come together to create closure also under here there is going to be what we call epithelial cells resurfacing so the epithelial cells will start to resurface, regrow, and there will be rebirth of new tissue. That way, you're going to have cells uh, formation, cell division to create new tissues. It occurs in the second phase of wound healing. Now, what is important about these stages of wound healing is, for the ankles, I want you to remember at every stage of wound healing, what is happening? What was the duration 
of each of the stages. What are those things that are occurring in stage one? What are those things that are occurring in stage two? These are things you want to remember for the end class very well. And then we have the last stage. The last stage becomes the maturation or the remodeling stage. Is the last stage is called the maturation or you can call it the remodeling stage. It is the stage in which um, the new cells have been provided. Cell division has occurred at that particular side of the wound of the skin breakdown. Now, but these cells that have been formed, the new cells that, that came through the epithelium tissues, these cells are still fragile. These cells are still young. They are still embryonic. They are still very young. So stage three begins with the maturation of these cells that have been provided. These uh, uh, these epithelial cells they begin to get mature. Then we will have remodeling of the wound. That's when you're going to have keloid formation. You're going to have the scar tissues coming in. That's occur in the uh, in the, the, the uh, in stage three, which is called the maturation or the remodeling stage. This stage occurs. 21 days after the wound uh, and it involves the strengthening of the collagen scar and the restoration of more normal appearance it can take more than one year to complete depending on the extent of the original wound so <clears throat> this stage begin with 20, it start at 21 days after the wound and last up to one year or more it depends on how big the wound is how many tissues got damaged and then need to be replaced it depends on those factors but there are three stages in wound healing the stage one is the inflammatory stage that begins on the date or on the day of the of the skin damage and it lasts up to three or up to six days stage two starts with day three and ends up to 24 days and stage three starts with uh, the from the 21st after the wound has occurred up to one year or more depending on the extent of the damage done to the skin now then we have various healing or uh, different kind of healing uh where healing occurs we have healing process there are different kind of healing processes this healing uh we have uh, one we have three different healing medium. The first one is primary intention. These are ways in which wound healing occur. So we have primary intention. We have two. We have secondary intention. Uh, secondary intention. Uh, secondary intention or healing, and you have the tertiary intention. Now, in the first in the first process. We call it the primary intention. This is where there is little or no tissue, or there is no tissue loss occurring in this first portion. In the first portion, there is no tissue loss, or there is a minimal loss of tissue in the first phase of healing. Now, under here, um, the edges of the wounds are approximated. Meaning the edges are aligned, they are, we have fine edges, the edges are well organized. This is an example of a, a surgical wound. 
Surgical wounds are those wounds that are created consciously and intentionally. So the, the wounds edges are what we call approximated, meaning they are together. The edges are not zigzag. The edges are not torn apart in a in a in an informal fashion. They are aligned. So we use a surgical blade or knife to what to create a surgical wound. So surgical wound healing takes place under primary intention. Also under here, there is low risk of infection when it comes to or when it comes to surgical wounds, which will fall under primary intention. There is rapid healing. It heals faster. So we've seen wounds that were that that did not fall under this particular first phase, but because we wanted it to, to heal faster, we went to the surgical department and created a new wound and creates the edges to be aligned or approximated. Based upon this, this wound that was not a surgical wound started to get healed faster. Example of what I'm saying is um, when you have diabetic ulcer wearing your toes or one of your toes has a problem it has a sore the sore is not healing what happens we take it to the surgical room and amputate that particular wound and create a surgical wound that will help to heal faster that's what happening in this case i'm talking about now then under here there is no or minimal scarring in most of our surgical uh, procedure in the U.S. and other advanced war, after a procedure, sometimes there is no scar formation. If there is a scar formation, there will be a minimum scar formation. That's what happened in surgical wound, which is under the primary intention. Then we have the second process. It's referred to as the secondary intention wound healing. In this secondary intention wound healing, um, there is lots of tissues. There is what we call the wound edges are separated. The wound edges are not approximated. So we have the wound edges being unapproximated. In stage one, the wound edges were aligned. The wound edges were approximated. In stage two, which is which is the secondary intention, the wound edges are not approximated. They are unapproximated. The wound edges are not aligned. In stage two, also, it takes a longer time to heal. In stage two, also, there is an increased risk for infection, unlike stage one. In stage one, there is decreased infection risk. In stage two, there is an increased risk of infection because the wound in stage two it is not created with intent with 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 with, uh, with in, uh, it, it is not created intentionally. It is created through accident or through other infection. That's how we have secondary wound healing. But in primary wound healing, it is created intentionally through surgical procedures. So it heals faster. It has lesser risk for infection. It heals faster. It, the wound edges are approximated. In stage two, these wounds are not created in surgical units. They are created through trauma accident or other condition and this will expose the patient to what to infection which will create the wound to heal slowly it creates so much risk and other complications surrounding the wound now in stage two 
There is a huge scar formation. The scar tissue left in stage two will be very much high, um, and there will be long. Uh, there will be uh, uh, there will be so much different infection pro infection problem in stage two. Example of stage two wound could be um, pressure ulcer. So if you have a pressure ulcer or decubital ulcer, that is an example of secondary intention wound healing. It takes longer time to heal, and the client has so much risk of infection. The, the wound becomes completely macerated, and you will see um, mild odorous um, of the wound. You will, see, you will smell like bad odor coming from the wound when the client has secondary wound or secondary intention. Then the third one is tertiary intention. Now, in tertiary intention, the wound is wide open. So the wound is wide open. The wound edges are completely separated. And uh, there is closure of wound occur when free, inf free of infection. Uh, there is closure of wounds. In this case, the client has risk for infection. There is extensive drainage. And there is debris formation in tertiary intention wound process. And under here, it takes longer time or it takes, the, it takes the longest time for the wound to heal in tertiary intention wound healing. And during this period, you're going to see like bulk of the tissues extracted when we have tertiary wound healing process taking place. It, it, it heals sometimes by itself but it takes longer time and the client stands at more risk compared to the first and second wound healing processes. Now, in this could be like a, you have an abdominal wound, like a gunshot wound, an abdominal wound that was left open, wherein you are seeing uh, tissues from the abdomen being exposed to the outside. So in this case, this becomes a tertiary wound healing. It takes a longer time to heal. Sometimes it needs surgical repair before the, before the healing can be done faster. So there are three kinds of wound, uh, wound healing. Uh, the, first one is the, the first one is the primary intention wound healing. Second one is, a, is a secondary intention. And the last one is a tertiary intention. Now, <clears throat> there are so many factors that lead to um, problem with wound healing. This like example is age. Age is a big thing when it comes to wound healing. Um, increased age can delay wound healing. Certain age when you cross 65, for wound to heal, it takes forever. That's one. Loss of skin turgor, skin frag uh, fragility, decrease in peripheral uh, O2 circulation. If the wound, if like in the case of diabetic. In the case of diabetic wounds, O2 is not being released to where the wound is. And that's why that in, in, in diabetic cases, wound healing takes forever because where the wound is occurring, there is not enough blood supply to those areas. So it makes it difficult for the healing to be to take place. So these are all things <coughs> that can uh, decrease healing process. Then we have your overall state, whether you are healthy. You have good immunity, you eat balanced diet, all these things help you to work to, 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 to create a faster or speedier wound healing process. Um, then we have de decreased leukocyte count. 
Now, leukocytes uh, help to provide our immunity. Now, when we have decreased leukocyte, which is uh, 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 we have leukocytopenia, what happens to us? <coughs> it takes longer time for our body to work, fight the infection because wounds will have bacteria living in them, and those bacteria will cause infection. And infection, our body system, our body immunity should be able to fight off in, uh, infection. If we do not have increase or we do not have the requisite amount of or normal level of red blood cells or leukocytes, we cannot fight infection. This will lead to the infection agent overcoming our immune, our immune system. Some other medication, there are some drugs that can also decrease our immunity, like drugs like anti-neopathic drugs. When you own those cancer, cancer medication, we cannot fight infection because those drugs can lower the strength of our immunity thus by making us not to be able to fight infection adequately. Tissue perfusion, low HGB level, low hemoglobin level can also, because hemoglobin can transfer O2 uh, to the body. The blood cells contain uh, 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 this O2 uh, component that transport the O2 to the various parts of the, of the body tissues. So when we have decreased uh, hemoglobin, meaning we're going to be having decreased O2 supply, which will lead to decreased wound healing. Smoking, chronic diseases, wound stress are all things that can create slow wound healing process. Any question? Wounds impaired skin integrity. Um, look at wound appearance. The color of wound plays major role in wound description and wound healing. Look at colors. Colors in wound healing. One, red. If the wound appears red, meaning the wound is healthy, it means the wound is healthy and there is tissues regeneration occurring faster. Tissue regeneration occurring faster when the wound appears red is healthy meaning the wound is healing when the wound appears yellow if we have wound appearance to be yellow this simply means there is a prolonged drainage and sludging of the wound occurring meaning that the wound has some purulent discharges or purulent drainage in the wound that needs to be drained out. Then we have black. If the wound appears black, a black wound bed simplifies that there's a person of extra that hinders healing and requires removal. So whenever the wound is black, we want to remove the black tissue that is in there. Those are dead tissue. So we want to remove them. Now, these are things the angler is going to, they might not come as questions, but they might come as part and parcel of other questions in the anklets. And if you know the description of these colors of the wound, you understand what could be the management by the nurse that will be implemented. Um, we have, um, we use our YB color codes guide for wound care. 
arrow stands for the red, which is the cover. Y stands for yellow, meaning it's clean. Black stands for the bride or the bridemen, meaning we need to remove necrotic tissues from the womb. So we use arrow YB for wound, um, for wound guard. So we have closed wounds. The skin edges should be well approximated. Genus, there is an exudate or a pulse coming from in the wound. Um, when, when there's a when there's a drainage, we want to look at the amount of drainage, um, the odor, the consistency, the color of the drainage. These are things we want to look at. We want to note the integrity of the surrounding tissues with each cleansing. We want to observe the skin around the uh, around the drain for irritation. Now, how do we measure wound dressing when it comes to drainage? Every wound drainage in a gauze, we say one gram of one gram. If we should weigh the the, the gauze or the or, or what is in the or, the or the dressing. So one gram is equal to one mL of fluid. So if you if you wear a dressing and the wound is draining and the dressing weighs one gram. That will be equal to one ml fluid loss in the body. So if you have 10 grams of, of dressing that weighs the dressing that weighs 10 grams, the client has lost 10 ml of body fluid. So if someone is if someone who is draining, we use the measurement of the drainage to infuse the patient. So we have different kind of wound drainage. Um, it depends on the on the color, on the makeup of the wound drainage. That's how we put in management. So we have different fluid coming or different drains from the wound. One, we have the serous drainage. Serous drainage. S-E-R-O-U-S. Serous drainage. Now, the serous drainage, it is the portion, it has portion of blood, that's what we call serum. It has blood component, it has serum. That is, the serum is clear and it is the water part of the blood. It's slightly yellow in appearance. So it is the fluid we often see in a blister. So when we have a blister that seeps fluid, when you brush the blister, what comes out is a serous fluid. It's clear and it's slightly yellow in appearance. That's what we call the serous fluid. Then we have the sanguineous fluid. Number two is the sanguineous. Now, I wrote it in red because I want you to remember that this is the red fluid that comes out when there's a, when there's a wound. It's red. It's what we call the blood that comes out. So this sanguineous fluid contains serum and red blood cells. It is thick and it appears reddish. It is brighter drainage indicates fresh bleeding and darker drainage indicates odor drainage. So if we had a wound 
that is masked and uh, you are seeing it draining from the side definitely you, you want to look at the color of the drainage or the drain you want to look at whether it is black or it is deep black or deep red or it is light or fresh red if it is light or bright red meaning that is an that is a fresh drainage it means um that's a new bleeding coming that that's a new bleed now if it is dark or it is deep red it is black red or deep dark red in that case it is an old wound and meaning there is an infection in there that is, that is being created then we have the third one which is the serous sanguinous drainage now this becomes serous it is what we call the serous sanguinous is zero sanguinous drainage now this is this has two components the first component is zero it goes to the first one the serous second one is sanguinous to the second one up here so it means you have this serous is clear is light yellow this sanguinous is red is it contain blood cells the third one is zero sanguinous this simply means this drainage contains both serum and blood that's why it is called zero sanguinous it contains both blood and serum it is a it is watery and appears blood streak or blood tint so it has blood in it and it also has uh like fluid that comes out of it that is light or is slightly yellow that's why we are calling it zero sanguinous fluid then we have the fourth one becomes what we call purulent discharge purulent discharge now this purulent discharge the result of an infection is what we call purulent discharge once you see a purulent discharge meaning there is an infection 100% sure that there's an infection and in this case it's going to smell bad it will have offensive smell in this case you're going to see it um you're going to see it in here you are also going to see tissue debris it is thick and contains white blood cells it contains tissue debris and it contains bacteria it may have a foul odor and it's it's color such as yellow it could be yellow it could be tint so the color could be yellow it could be tin or the color could be um or the color could be um or you, or you could have the color could be in different color that might not show that the client is well so so it could be um it could be foul smelling in odor it could be yellow it could be thin or it could be brown so it could be it could also be brown color fluid coming out of the wound so and then the last portion is what we call the pure sanguinous the last drainage is called pure pure sanguinous now this means there is a mixture of the purulent discharge and that of the sanguinous so you have blood and pores so purulent, you're going to see pores coming up and purulent sanguinous means there is a pores in the blood that is coming out of the drainage. 
Um, so in this case, it's a mixture of pus and blood, meaning there is a newly infected wound. If a wound contains both pus and blood seeping out of the wound, meaning that wound has just gotten infected. It means it's a newly infected wound. Then now uh, we look at different wound closures. We have staples we use to close wounds. We have sutures we use to suture or sew the wounds. We have wound closure strips we use to just use strip to close the wound. So there are different kinds of wound closure materials. Now wounds want to provide adequate hydration and meet protein and calorie needs when there's a wound want to provide adequate hydration that's why we are measuring the wound dressing changes to measure to weigh the dressing as we have wound dressing being changed we need to weigh the wound dressing most especially if the wound is draining to provide adequate hydration want to encourage the client to take in up to two to three thousand two to three m three thousand ml of fluid a day want to provide education about good protein sources like meat fish um want to provide poultry eggs dairy products beans nuts whole grains these are all strong and rich sources of protein we want to also note the serum abdomen level are lower than 3.5 because it's a lack of protein. So if we have a serum abdomen level lower than 3.5, you know that abdomen and potassium almost have the same values. So if they are lower than 3.5, meaning the client needs to increase protein level. Um, if they do not increase the protein level, it delays wound healing. You want to also perform wound cleansing for clean wounds for clean wounds such as surgical incision cleans from the least to the most contaminated area so in surgical wounds we clean from the least to the most to the most of the wound so that means that means we clean from the least Contaminated area to the most contaminated area in wound cleaning. So it is a surgical wound here. It is a surgical wound. So we clean from the least contaminated to the most to the most contaminated. So if this wound edges are mostly contaminated, so we start to clean the wound from in uh we start to clean from in the wound, then we go around it. In surgical wounds now um although the power the, the, the provider might prescribe other mild cleansing agents we also want to use the best wound cleansing agent is isotonic agent is the best wound cleansing agent we do not want to use hypo or hyper this is the best or the most preferred agent should be used to cleanse wound 
you do not want to use the same gauze to clean across the wound more than one time. If we use a face of the gauze to clean the wound, we want to change the gauze around to use a newer face to cleanse the wound. Do not use cotton balls and other products that sheet fibers in the wound. Um, if the wound is irrigating, use a pesting syringe or a sterilized straight character for deep wound with small openings. Apply 5 to 8 PSI of pressure. A 30 to 60 ml syringe with a 19 gauge needle provides approximately 8 PSI. Use normal saline, ranger lactate, or antibiotic antimicrobial solution to cleanse the wound. Remove the suture and the staples. You want to administer analgesic and monitor for effective pain management. You want to administer antimicrobial and monitor for effectiveness of which can help to reduce the fever, can help the client to increase um, the client comfort and can decrease the level of where blood cells count. These are things you want to do. Um, most importantly for wound, for wounds, we look at um, the kind of dressing we use when it comes to wound. These are very important to look at the dressing we want to use when it comes to wound healings. And why do we have these dressings to be ordered by the healthcare providers? So we have um, dressing as a whole protects the wound from microbes. Dressings. Look at, look at the first dressing. Number one, we look at um, woven, woven gauze. The woven gauze, woven gauze dressing is like a sponge. They are like they are soft like sponge so they are called the woven gauze dressing now this dressing are sponge they are like sponge what have you have seen a sponge right so if you have a sponge and you put a little fluid in a bowl and put a sponge in there what happened to the fluid the sponge absorbs the fluid so that's why when we have a drainage that a wound that contains drainage we want to use a, wo a woven gauze dressing that will absorb the fluid from the wound. So a woven gauze dressing absorbs fluid from the wound. Then we have the non-adherent material, non-adherent dressing. We have the non-adherent dressing. The non-adherent dressing um, it is. It does not stick to the wound bed, so it, it, it provides wound protection. It does not stick to the wound bed. That's how we call it the non-adherent dressing. Then we have dam to dam four inch by four inch dressing. You have we call dam to dam. You have dam to dam four inch by four inch dressing. The dam to dam 4 inch by 4 inch dressing 
it is used for the brand. Um, so when we have womb, when the womb is black, black, and we need to remove those dead tissue, those necrotic tissue from the womb, we use dam to dam, four inch by four inch dressing. It is a dressing that is used to mechanically debride a wound until new tissue starts to form. Must keep moist at all time to prevent pains and disruption of the wound healing. So that's how important the dam to dam, four inch by four inch dressing is to wound healing process. Then we have the self-adhesive and transparent film. We have self-adhesive, self-adhesive, and the transparent film dressing. Self-adhesive and transparent film dressing. The self-adhesive and the transparent um, film dressing is like a second skin is used as a second skin it is just for temporary um it is it is ideal for small superficial wounds so they are like they are very thin they are like a shield we just place it over a wound for a short time to create to be in there like a skin that will protect um skin integrity or skin breakdown then we have the hydrocolloid dressing. These are the two ones I want you to remember very well. The hydrocolloid, and you have the hydrogel. The first one is the hydrocolloid. The hydrocolloid dressing. In the hydrocolloid dressing, um there is an occlusive dressing that swells in the presence of exudate a composed of some gelatin and pectin a composed of gelatins and pectins and pectin so the hydrocolloid dressing um it helps to it, it, it forms a seal at the wound surface to prevent uh, wound evaporation. It maintains wound bed and can stay in for up to seven days. This can stay in for these numbers are important in the ankle. It stays in for up to seven days. So it's like a when you use a hydrocolor dressing, when the wound has pores, when the wound contains period discharge, as the wound seeps pores, what happens? The hydrocolor dressing will swell. It will get expanded in the or in the wound and it helps to prevent the wound from going through what we call evaporation. That's the importance of the hydrocolor dressing. It is important that you know the indications of these dressing. They are very important in the English. They are very, very important in the English. Then we have uh, the last one which we call the hydrogel dressing. The hydrogel. The hydrogel dressing, it is a wound dressing that composed 
most of water it contains water is uh, is composed of that's why it's called hydrogel it has a gel after contact with exudate um it promotes autolytic debridement and cooling it rehydrates and fills their space so that's how important the hydrogel dressing is it has a fluid portion it also has a gel when the wound gets dry it releases gel and moisturize and moisturization or moisture to the wound belly or to, sorry to the wound flow or to the wound bed which will create um it will soften the wound tissues and create freshness of the wound tissue to to to, to harbor growth of the new tissues that are being formed it is for infected wounds it is for deep wounds it is also for necrotic tissues or necrotic wounds not for heavy draining wounds we do not use a hydrogel dressing for heavy draining wounds we do we provide this wound this dressing provides a moist wound bed and can stay in for up to three days the hydrocolor stays in for up to seven days and the hydrogel stays in for up to three days these are important things that you want to remember for the anchors when it comes to wound healing because this, these are parts of important questions that you're going to be asked about wounds and wound, and wound dressings in the anklets. Um, we also have what we call wound dehiscence and wound evaceration, which can be found in the sunders. Um, when there is wound dehiscence, when there is wound the hissense, meaning the wound open, the wound has opened. Open wound is called wound dehiscence. We hear wound evaceration, evaceration, meaning the wound has opened and there is a protrusion of other wound tissues. So if you had if you had a surgery and you were coughing, you did not put your hand, you, you did not protect the um, the wound. And you cough guess what's going to happen the wound tissue will break down when it opens that becomes what we call wound dehiscent if you keep on coughing and you cannot stay with the wound and you see some intestinal product or component coming out that becomes wound evaceration any questions So um, these are things we just going over 